Hello, and welcome to the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement's podcast, Wonks at Work. I'm Craig Wilson, your host, a self-declared wonk, dad of two boys, native Arkansan, and I've been the health policy director at the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement for more than a decade. On this show, we aim to demystify, boil down, and unwonk, if you will, complex topics so that you can understand how the healthcare system is working or not working for you. This is our 37th episode, and today we're going to be talking about mental health crisis intervention, which is a topic that we've touched on before when we discussed crisis stabilization units with Dr. Lisa Evans in our 11th episode in 2021. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to that episode, crisis stabilization units, or CSUs, are 16-bed medical facilities operating 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and they provide medical assessment, stabilization, and disposition planning for individuals who would otherwise be jailed, and they can do that for up to 96 hours. Now, there are currently four CSUs in Arkansas, and there's a fifth plan for El Dorado in South Arkansas. CSUs are a critical asset for the communities that they serve, but they are only part of a spectrum of services that are needed. A post-CSU stay, there may be long-term residential care needs, outpatient service and medication adherence needs, and other community-based service needs required to prevent another acute mental health episode or interaction with the criminal justice system. And importantly, the potential for CSUs can only be realized if law enforcement officers are aware of them, champion them, and have resources such as transportation and time to avail themselves of that option. And when this is not the case, or where CSUs are not available, as is the case in many rural areas of the state, law enforcement officials need other options when they engage those in mental health crisis. So, here to talk about one of those innovative options with us is Marion Green, who is a licensed professional counselor, licensed alcoholism and drug abuse counselor, and the owner of her own clinic with offices in Magnolia and Monticello. She's also the founder and executive director of a nonprofit called Aspiring for Community Transformations that is working to deploy mental health resources to rural parts of Arkansas with a current focus on the intersection of mental health and law enforcement. Thanks so much, Marion, for joining us, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Craig. All right, so before we get into the serious stuff... (laughs) I want to know what keeps you busy when you're not working, other than I know you just went to Vegas, so we're not... <laughs> I did. i got to keep that secret, okay? I'm going to keep it, that it on the download. There, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, so what keeps me busy? Um, gosh, you know, just have a really great circle of friends. Yeah. And not only do they keep me busy, they keep me grounded, and uh, they oftentimes remind me when I'm messing up and when I need to rein it in, and uh, so I, I thoroughly enjoy my friends, and... Um, my animals and I love cooking and yeah. I'm not saying I'm great at it, but boy, I'll, mm, what's the, I, what's your favorite thing to cook? Oh, my favorite thing to cook. Um, you know, it's really simple. It's my daughter's favorite. It is so basic. It's chicken and rice. Oh yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's, yeah. And you know, it's not the best, but it's you know, my favorite because my daughter funny. loves it. My, my wife, the chicken spaghetti that my mother-in-law makes, that's, that's her thing. That's, yeah. that's what she loves. Now I'm like a meatloaf guy. <laughs> My, my, when I would always go home from college or anything, mm-hmm. I wanted meatloaf. And so so when I met my current wife, yeah, I took her and I said, we're, we're going to go. And my mom's making meatloaf. And she goes, Ugh, oh, meatloaf. I'm not sure about it. 
Now she loves it, of course. Yeah, but, of you course. Know, it's one of those things. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I asked this of all of our wonky guests. What would you say is your theme song? Craig, this was the hardest. Like, <laughs> it's a hard question. It is isn't such it? a hard question. And I mean, in the 20 plus years of mental health, I've never thought like this would be a good question to even ask clients too. Yeah. you know, because because it'll give you so much background and you know what yeah. they're thinking. And so it would be easier to name the soundtrack of your life, wouldn't it? Probably but, but like a single theme song is really hard. It is because, you know, that varies for day to day. It's got to. So <laughs> I honestly think, you know, and this is can be so cheesy and cliche-ish I, I feel like probably a lot of people but I remember being in sixth grade in Mr. Washington's class <laughs> and Michael Jackson dropped Man in the Mirror Oh yeah! and Mr. Mr. Washington was a black male uh-huh. teaching sixth graders in a predominantly white school and I just remember listening to that song <laughs> thinking Oh, this is it. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, now that I'm older, I, I really understand the depth of those lyrics. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I guess that really is the theme because it's, you know, really it's my responsibility. Yeah. It's your response. I mean, it's mine to make some changes. And yeah. so, you know, that's that's a great caveat probably into how we're, how we're going to start talking about why I've done what I've done. But I just really, I really feel like that song is a great example of I'm – the world's not responsible yeah. for me or to me. I'm responsible yeah. to and for this yeah. world. Yeah, that's a good one. Love, yeah. love MJ. Yeah. yeah. Um, Don't ask me to moonwalk. So. <laughs> so, I want you to not moonwalk. I okay. want you to t- tell us a little bit about what brought you into the to the line of work that you do. Well, I, I'm fortunate that if both sides of my family, my paternal and maternal grandparents, they were um, in the helping profession, if you will. Mm-hmm. My paternal grandfather, military, died in World War II. Mm-hmm. My other grandfather, lawyer, mm-hmm. uh military and then my parents public school educators so it's just it was just this um life service oriented yes and i knew i could not be an educator and shout out to our educators because god love them god love them because i i think i'd be in jail i can't do what they do so i knew i couldn't be an educator uh so i was like but I want to help people. I knew I couldn't be a nurse because I can't stand blood. Once yeah. I figured out nursing and blood went hand in hand, that was out. <laughs> so I was like, all right, let me do some counseling. You can like, definitely talk to I, people, I right? can talk to people, and I'm an excellent <laughs> listener, too. I really am. I know when to shut up. It may not seem like it right now, but I know when to shut up. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So um, what? tell us about aspiring for community transformations. Where did the idea for that work originate? You know, I really, I feel like I've always wanted to have a nonprofit in in some way. I wasn't really sure what the specifics of that nonprofit would be. And so really, basically in the spring of, um, after COVID, Mm -hmm. so COVID was what, 2020, it hit Mm -hmm. us hard in 2020. And I just, that year was so tough on all of us. And um, I'm sure you were awfully busy. (laughs) <laughs> awfully busy, awfully busy. And, and, you know, being in a small town, you, your your colleagues are not only your um, prof- uh, professional counselors, but it's your law enforcement officers, it's your doctors. And so during 2020, you just kept hearing this talk about, gosh, this, 
people are just really struggling with this. And so then fast forward and what really garnered my attention was the death of George Floyd Mm -hmm. and the dynamics between law enforcement and our citizens. Mm -hmm. And um, I really looked at that and thought, okay, how how can I help support law enforcement? Um, So something like this. Yeah. doesn't happen again. Um, and so I just started thinking and, and I started doing some research and talking to old friends and old colleagues. And I discovered this program out of Oklahoma uh-huh. where um, it's called My Care. And My Care provides iPads to all the community, or excuse me, they provide iPads to all law enforcement officers mm. in the state. And with that, it's... Um, they're contracted with the community mental health centers out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. So in the event that law enforcement comes upon a mental health crisis, they have immediate access yeah. to to a clinician. And I was like, we need this in Arkansas bad. Mm-hmm. We're rural. Our officers, it could be upwards of five to seven hours just spending time with someone who's in mental health crisis. And um, I incorporated the nonprofit on a Thursday and by Saturday I had 250 iPads donated oh, to gosh. me from yeah so I was just like I was this dog who caught this car and I'm like what do I do and so here I am still doing it yeah and so the how does the, the blocking and the tackling of it how does how does it work well <laughs> The blocking, the blocking. <laughs> Did you know my dad was a football coach? No, but I, you know, I, yeah. It's um. Well, really, gosh, Craig. It's. I sit here and think it's really been such a whirlwind. How fast this has uh-huh. shot off and taken, and I'm I'm going back to when I really caught the car. Yeah, and uh, of course I started with. Rural law, uh, rural Arkansas in mind. So you're sticking in rural yes. spaces. Yeah, and I was like, smaller well, counties. Absolutely, and I was like, if I'm going to start anywhere, I've got to start at home. Mm-hmm. So I contacted um, Chief Todd Dew and Captain Michael Caldwell out of Magnolia PD mm-hmm. and said, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. How could this help? And they were like, Oh, it was like, Oh yeah. my gosh! And um, then. Daryl Spells, who's a retired chief out of Barling, and he is very big into advocating for mental health and reducing the stigma, not mm-hmm. only for individuals, but law enforcement. And he jumped on board. And the next thing I know, he's like, I need you to come to Barling. And then Daryl's over here telling uh, Jason Akers down in Monticello and Chief Akers. So like you got a ripple effect then. Yeah, yeah. And so, so, when the law, so when they encounter someone, how, how does that actually work? So... Hopefully, when I go out to train, I'm hoping that a lot of these officers have had the crisis intervention training. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you guys have heard about Mm -hmm. it, but, you know, a lot of these rural agencies cannot afford to let an officer go to a a 40-hour-a-week training because they're so small. Then it's they're missing manpower. They've got to pay overtime. It's such that Mm -hmm. ripple effect. And so when I go out, I do try to find out how many have been through the training. And um, and I do know when they go through the academy, they get a brief class on mental health. Mm-hmm. I think just a real general and general, yeah. I'll say that, um, class on mental health. And honestly, where we've gotten the departments that have the iPads, if they even suspect person is suicidal or homicidal or any type of psychosis or a combination uh-huh. – they immediately, they've been so good, they'll ask the person, 
Are you willing to talk to a therapist? It's usually 100% yes. We've only had two refusals huh. so far. And at that point, they just get the iPad out, press one button, and they ask the person in front of me, this is Miss Green or whoever it is, mm-hmm. whoever the therapist you got, is. So you got therapists on yes. call. To- yes. And um, this is Miss Green. She would like to talk to you. Would you be willing to talk to her? I will not be present. And they have all been so good. And it, yeah. for whatever reason, I think at that point, it kind of de-escalates the situation yeah. with the officer right there. It doesn't make them necessarily enemy number one. And um, then we just, he and I, he or she and I, who yeah. we get to talking. And um, and so that it's that it's that both immediate, I would say, treatment. Yes. Right? And des- particularly the de-escalation piece. Yes. But also you guys figure out, if there's a if there's a placement that's that's needed for that right. individual where they might be able to go right. right right and so when when our like when my iPad rings on my end I'm able to see where it's coming from so if it's coming out of Barling mm-hmm. Arkansas or Dumas Arkansas I'm immediately thinking all right where's a hospital in yeah. case and um, so that's that's a great little tool to have an yeah. REM but. What we're trying to do, too, is we want to keep people in the least restrictive environment. Yeah. And if we can develop safety plans, a good, strong safety plan, then that's what we want to do. We want to keep them in the community and we want to keep them um, with their current resources mm-hmm. or we're going to connect them to other resources to start therapy. And so... Um, Whatever to keep them out of jail, right? Well, yeah, we want to absolutely. And hey, honestly, law enforcement—they don't want to take them to jail. Yeah. They really don't. Yeah. And um, sometimes it's their only option. Now this gives ex- them another option. It sure does, and especially in rural Arkansas. Yeah. And so, um, I w- pulled the numbers. I had the assistant pull numbers. We've from starting January one, and that's the day our live roll went. But I can't actually remember when the first, probably mid January, the first mm-hmm. call came through. But we've completed sixty five. And only, only this is great to me. Only eighteen have gone to a hospital. We've already saved right under three hundred thousand wow. dollars just in psych placements alone. Yeah, that's not including ER visits to get them medically cleared. That's not gas and law enforcement yeah. vehicles or ambulances. So um, there's some cost savings to it, but it's yeah. like you said that immediate treatment yeah. and that immediate we can fix this. We can we can do something here. We can make it right. So tell me about. The numbers are clear, right? So mm-hmm. tell me about a success success story. Success story. Well, I mean, we have client and even law enforcement because this tool is offered to law okay. enforcement. Okay. Um, I believe that, and I, I would imagine most everybody does. We want our law enforcement officers to be very mentally healthy, yeah. and um, but you know, there's still such a stigma for our officers uh, to receive treatment. And uh, but they are traumatized daily, probably. I mean, in some capacity. And so I would say, uh, because we offer this uh, iPad to our law enforcement officers as well, free of charge. Mm. And uh, I think one of our biggest success stories is actually an officer. Yeah. And he had, um, there was something, you know, he was just having a terrible, terrible time in his personal life. And he had posted a few things uh, on social media and it got his sergeant very concerned mm. and the sergeant was like hey can you can you talk to him i was like absolutely yeah. and so he, he was in his patrol car we talked we came off the ledge he took off for a couple of days but then we've got him in treatment yeah. and 
he's thriving. He's doing great. That's great. That's and and, and you know, I just wonder in that moment, had he not had that immediate access, yeah. would it have been a different story right. for this for this officer in that department? Right. Yeah. So on that law enforcement front, but I know also and with the community providers, are what are the continued challenges that they're facing, particularly in in areas where where you oh, live? Yeah. Well, you, you know, I I love our community mental health centers, but I think we've got to be realistic. They are they are overworked. I mean, yeah. they are. It's an overworked system, and and I feel like ACT or aspiring for community transformations, trying to give a little support to them and helping uh, answer some of those crisis calls mm-hmm. that they would normally get in the middle of the night or something like that. So I think um, that is our community mental health centers are still. Um, they're busy, yeah. to, to say the least. Now, as far as our law enforcement officers, the feedback I get consistently is that is what we were just talking about is that this program allows us to have immediate access mm-hmm. to mental health, behavioral health treatment, whereas prior to this, we yeah. may have to drive an hour to an ER and then yeah. sit there and wait and or the Maybe. CSU might be an option, but it's two counties so, away. Or, yeah, you know, or, or, or yeah. Particularly South Arkansas, right now there's no CSU. There's no so, CSU, yeah. You know, mobile crisis intervention, there's mm, none of that. None so of that. a stopgap. Absolutely. And so that is really our, our goal is because, you know, there there are so many times when a person in crisis, they don't need a placement. Mm-hmm. They need someone to talk to in that moment, get a plan put in place, mm-hmm. and we're good to go. Yeah. And, and so... That could potentially be more traumatizing to a person as well. So you're going along fine, right? <laughs> what are the future plans? Fine. Right? <laughs> what are the future plans? Future plans. Well, um, would like to really, you know, rally, maybe hustle, maybe poke some of our elected officials a little bit about maybe looking at um, amending a couple of acts. Uh, I believe it's Act 423 uh, that establish some of this crisis mm-hmm. things uh, in an effort to maybe help, let's just say it, get some money and appropriations for what we're trying to do. Uh, the, the primary focus, though, really right now is rural Arkansas. Yeah. I, I do not want to discount my brothers and sisters in Little Rock or Sebastian County or Washington County, um, but you guys have resources. And so right now, um, the next year, we would like to look at having iPads in every county that has a population of 10,000 or less. Okay. And then hopefully starting in 24, we will start putting iPads in counties with population of between 10 and 20,000. Okay, great. So yeah. just so a little str- kind of moving up the, the ladder in terms of population. Yes. And of course, getting more therapists. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be key. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please and thank you. <laughs> so you mentioned you mentioned the 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 funding mechanism, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be critical mm-hmm. if, if this thing wants to go statewide, right? Yeah. Are there other policy changes at the state or national level that could make this a little bit easier or just to generally provide the mental health resources that people need? Yeah, you know, I, I'm so proud of us for, for uh, and I know you're familiar with, with 988. Mm-hmm. There might we might need to look at that yeah. at, at some point in in nine eight eight for our listeners who don't know is basically the nine one one for mental for health, mental health yeah. and um, I think it is a wonderful wonderful idea. It's uh, we may need to look at that yeah and see what we can do a little different and tweak it you know how we could tweak that and make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, 
especially in rural areas. And Arkansas is not the only rural state. So, I mean, yeah. Uh, so I would, I think that would be maybe a good starting point is looking at that. And then, of course, on the state level, I, I do. I feel like we need to look at Act 423, I believe mm-hmm. Act 840 as well, and maybe look and see what we what we can do to um, maybe prevent that. Help me here, Craig. Like <laughs> right before you go into a CSU or a hospital, what's that little, that little, you know, can you see my yeah, hand? The audience know, can't right? see the my hands. but can't see. It's, yeah. it's, the, it's the time from the engagement with, with the law, law enforcement, enforcement officer to and the train. It's the transportation time. Right? Yeah, it's that. If I mean, we've got a little gap there. And, and I do feel, again, my program is not the end all be all, but it's it's helpful. And it, and it has... Um, you know, even though the numbers are low, which I really don't think they're that low. We're, we're in 13 departments. Mm-hmm. And you think about that, 65 calls in a year, in, since January, that's 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 quite a few for rural yeah. Arkansas. And so to know that we've been able to keep the majority of those home and safe yeah. with their families, getting treatment in the outpatient setting. Well, not just as you expand the program, but as people gain awareness of it and become yeah. more familiar with it. Yeah. And- have used it and yeah. have had good experiences with it. Yeah. That it should grow. Absolutely. And I, I will tell you this, one of the things I tout about this program too is for those individuals that I that we are privileged to serve, if they don't have a provider provider, we do try to connect them back to their mm-hmm. home provider. But if they do not, and it is clear that they need some mental health treatment, we offer them our services and we ship them an iPad. Yeah. Free of charge. <laughs> and we just start those because we've got Come on, Arkansas. We're 40th in the nation for mental health. We can do better than this. We can. I know there's a lot of work going on in the legislature, right. really informally right now. Hopefully right. it will become more formal in the legislative session. Right. Um, but, yeah, you're right. Um, and I think that part of that is probably going to be some infusion of a workforce pipeline, which you mentioned more therapists, right, <laughs> that we know yes. is needed. So yes. that gets to my final question of you, which is, for that pipeline, right? <laughs> if there's one piece of advice that you want to give someone considering a career in your field, what would that be? Mm. One, just one piece of advice. I would, mm, honestly, I think you you really need to connect with a great mentor mm. in the sense of um, they're just going to sh- shoot it to you straight, say what they mean, mean what they say. Yeah. And it's not, it is, this field is not for the faint of heart. And you're not getting rich. <laughs> you're going to be eating some beans and cornbread, Craig. <laughs> so, no, honestly, a really good mentor because it's a challenging field. It yeah. really is. But it's it's got its payoff. It's worthwhile. It absolutely worthwhile. is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking with us today. It's, so it's been wonderful. And uh, it's been great to have you on the show. <laughs> thank you, Craig. Thank you for listening to Walks at Work. You can listen to our bi-weekly podcast on our website, achi.net. A special thanks to the Bobby L. Roberts Library of Arkansas History and Art, which is a part of the Central Arkansas Library System for allowing us to use their studio to record. If you have any topics you would like for us to consider, please email us at achi at achi.net. As a reminder... The views, information, and opinions expressed by our podcast guests are solely those of the guests and do not necessarily represent those of the Arkansas Center for Health Improvement. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The podcast does not constitute medical, legal, 
or other professional advice or services. We hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. And again, thanks for listening.